The following sermon audio. The following sermon audio. The following sermon audio is a presentation of First International Baptist Church. Of First International Baptist Church of Copenhagen, Denmark. Today's teaching comes from FIBC Senior Pastor. Senior Pastor, N. Eric Nielsen. Well, good afternoon, everyone. It's great to see so many of you here today. I want to begin by asking you a question. You don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you here would like to live the good life? Yeah? I haven't even described what the good life is, but you know you want to live it, right? Well, I wanted, I did some research to ask the philosophers, uh, the ancient philosophers, what did they say was the good life? And I'll quote to you from some papers that were written uh, about the philosophers, uh, papers I discovered on the internet, so I hope that they're true. But according to one, this is what Socrates describes as the good life. It is a life that questions and thinks about things. It is a life of contemplation, self-examination, and open-minded wondering. The good life is thus an inner life, the life of an inquiring and ever-expanding mind. Well, what about Aristotle? Let's take a look at what he said. He considered that something was good if, if, it, if it performs a function well. So a good tree, for example, is a tree that bears a lot of fruit. Well, what is the function of a person, of a human being, that no other being has the capacity for? What is it that is unique to human beings? Well, unique to human beings is the capacity for rational thought. Thus, and I quote, the good life for a human is the active life of exercising the rational capacity. A good man is one who reasons well and chooses well, end quote. Now that I've described the good life for you, how many of you feel like you choose well and reason well? Or at least would like the ability to choose well and reason well? You see, those in Aristotle's day who could not make their own decisions or choose their own actions for its virtues, they could not attain to the good life. And among those were included women, slaves, and the lower classes, tradespeople and farmers. They could not experience the good life because they could not choose their own decisions. Well, if I asked you for your definition of the good life, I'm sure as many people as there are here today, you would have your own description of what the good life consists of. My guess is that among some of you, you would choose things like family life, perhaps a house, perhaps economic stability, or food and drink, or friends, recreation, your health, your employment. Well, when Moses gave the Israelites his final sermon there on the shores of the Jordan, as they were about to enter the promised land, he provided for them a very clear description of the good life that they would enjoy in the land that flowed with milk and honey. And today I'm going to refer to that description that he gave as the destiny that he was presenting before the Israelites But just as clear as the picture of their destiny, Moses also gave them a pathway for them to reach that destiny. Because we all want the good life, don't we? The question is, are we ready to take the path that leads to the good life? 
Let me give you an example. Those of you, I'm sure there are many among you here, who are pursuing to compete in a triathlon, right? (laughs) Not many. But if you were to pursue competing in a triathlon, there is a pathway that includes, among other things, rigorous exercise. It includes frequent running and swimming and cycling. It includes disciplined calorie counting. And if you also have a full-time job, guess what? It doesn't include a lot of couch time. For the person here who has the goal of earning a million dollars, there is also a pathway that includes saving money, wise investment, and time, and starting a YouTube channel. For most goals, there are going to be a variety of pathways, but all will include a price to pay. And today we're going to see that there was only one pathway for the Israelites to experience the good life, personally and nationally. And I believe that there is an application for us if we would be interested in living the best possible life that we could live. So if you want to enjoy your life to the fullest, keep listening. Because today I want to show you the main thing that Moses was trying to get the Israelites to understand about their destiny in the promised land. And then secondly, the parallel to us, us who are invited into the new covenant in Christ. And then because this is Moses' last words, I'll have some closing words about Moses' own life. So turn with me, if you will, to Deuteronomy chapter 30. We come to the end of the first five books of the Bible in our journey through the Old Testament. And in Deuteronomy chapter 30, after Moses has repeated the law, and you heard several of the, the requirements of the law, now in verse 15 of chapter 30, he says this, See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways and to keep his commands, his decrees and his laws. Then you will live and increase, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you are not obedient, and if you're drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long in the land you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice and hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life and he will give you many years in the land he swore to give to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So Moses was here presenting the Israelites with a choice of their destiny in the land that was promised to their forefathers. And one of those choices of their destiny was life and prosperity. Now, the word Moses used for prosperity is a word that generally translated means good. It can mean pleasant, beautiful, beneficial, or just goodness. And this good life would be the result of the Lord their God blessing them in the land that they had, he had promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And if you want to see those blessings, you can read them in chapter 28, verses 2 through 13. Let me just summarize for you. But God would bless their production and their reproduction. He would bless their crops, that they would be plentiful and that their livestock would be fruitful. 
Their food baskets and their kneading troughs would be full. Their enemies would be defeated and would dread them. He said this, the Lord will send a blessing on everything you put your hand to. The Lord will grant you abundant prosperity. That's the good life, friends. He, they would lend and not borrow from other peoples. They would rule over other nations and not be ruled by them. And their prosperity would be a direct result of God's own intervention. Because God would do things that only he, the creator of heaven and earth, could be in charge of. He will, for example, open the heavens and send rain in due season. And he will make the wombs of their women fruitful. It was a picture of a perfect world for a nation in a time when the economic prosperity and national power depended on things like agriculture, livestock, natural and human resources. That was the one destiny for them. But then there was another possible destiny. See, I set before you today life and prosperity. That was one destiny. Death and destruction. That was the other destiny. The word Moses used for destruction was a word translated mostly as simply evil. It can mean wicked, it can mean affliction, adversity, hurt, trouble. And the description of the curses then are also given in Deuteronomy chapter 28. And the length of the curses is almost four times as long as the blessings. I'll summarize for you. They would suffer disease and drought. They would be defeated in battle and oppressed and robbed by enemies. Their crops would fail. Their livestock would not reproduce, and they would be economically ruined. Their cities would be besieged, leaving them starving and without any means to survive except through cannibalism. They would, not only, they would be few in number, and they would lose their inheritance of their land to other nations who would capture them and take them into exile. It would be their worst nightmare and seemingly endless misery. And just as with their prosperity, this would be the doing of the Lord. These are the things that God, the creator of heaven and earth, is in control of. The Lord will strike you, he said, with wasting disease, with fever and inflammation, with scorching heat and drought, with blight and mildew. He warned them, the sky over your head will be bronze, the ground beneath you iron. The Lord will turn the rain of your country into dust and powder. Again, a very detailed image of the kind of life and a community that no one in their right mind would ever desire and wish for. Imagine every effort of yours to multiply and to bear fruit and to be productive and prosper would be met with frustration and failure, futility. Well, see, the choice of their destiny was theirs to make. And each destiny had one path. If they wanted life and prosperity, then the only pathway that would lead to that destiny was laid out for them. I command you in verse 16 today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, and to keep his commands, decrees, and laws. Then you will live and increase. That was the pathway. The other pathway, the pathway that would lead to death and destruction, was this. If your heart turns away and you are not obedient and you are drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long in the land. So essentially it's this. The Israelites could choose either a destiny or a pathway, but they could not choose both. You can choose your destiny or you can choose your pathway, but you cannot choose both. That is essentially the message of this section of Deuteronomy. 
the main idea here. Because if they chose the pathway of disobedience and unfaithfulness to God, then they could not also hope for the good life. But if they chose the good life, then the pathway to that good life was already set out before them. They had to be faithful and lovingly obey the Lord their God. And for us, it's the same. You know, every pathway we choose also leads to a consequence. If we want a particular consequence or a result, even a destiny, then the pathway to get there is usually marked out for us. Most of the time when we choose an action, we know what the consequences are, whether those consequences will be favorable or unfavorable. For example, when you eat something, you know that the foods that you eat or the beverages that you consume, that if they are high in carbohydrates and high in calories and high in fat, you know that you are leading yourself to a life of being unhealthy. So when you take in those things, just be aware that you cannot hope for then the kind of abs that I have. <laughs> just kidding. And you know that the opportunities, the pathway to greater opportunities, is to get good grades. And to get good grades, it requires study and time and effort into the assignments and listening to your professor in class. You cannot hope to just skip all of your classes and then still get an A and still have all the world's opportunities opened up for you. I know many of you students here are thinking, but that's what I want. And you know that if you don't disclose your taxable income to your tax authorities, the penalties are high. See, we all want to choose our destiny, and we want to choose our own pathway to get there. Too many do that, hoping that somehow the pathway that will lead to the good life can be done my way. See, I believe, though, that God really wants his goodness to be displayed in the lives of those who are his chosen people. Moses was reminding the Israelites, observe the terms of, these coven of this covenant carefully, for this will show your wisdom and your understanding to the nations who will hear about all these decrees and say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. God's reputation was at stake in his people, and the nations would hear about it. And then remember the time when they sinned against God and God said to Moses, you know what, stand back because I'm just going to wipe out these Israelites and I'm going to start over with you. How did Moses appeal to the Lord God? He appealed to his reputation. Moses said, if you put these people to death all at one time, the nations who have heard this report about you will say, the Lord was not able to bring these people into the land he promised. May the Lord's strength be displayed, Moses said, just as you have declared, the Lord is slow to anger, abounding in love, forgiving sin and rebellion. Through obedience they would prosper, and the Israelites would be the evidence to the nations that the Lord was their God. All the peoples on the earth will see that you are called by the name of the Lord, Moses said, and they will fear you, he said to the Israelites. And in the same way, their destruction and disobedience would make them a thing of horror, an object of scorn and ridicule to all the nations where the Lord will drive you. And today here we are as the people of the new covenant, and I believe too God has his reputation and his character vested in you and me. When Paul says that we should be humble, he doesn't say just be humble and don't look out for the interests of yourself but for the interests of others. 
He says, let your attitude be like that of Christ Jesus, who though he was in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing. So the humility we're supposed to display is the humility of Christ. When Paul says, do everything without complaining or arguing, it's so that we would be recognized as the children of God, shining like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life. And Peter said this, just as he who called you is holy, so you be holy in all that you do. And that's exactly the same command that was given the people of the old covenant. And when you and I are kind and compassionate toward one another, forgiving one another, we're doing that just like God in Christ forgave us. And when our marriage and family relations, the instructions to submit to one another, they were given to us to submit just as God in Christ, to, to, with, because of God's, God in Christ in view. The wife submits to her husband as the church submits to Christ. The husband gives himself up for his wife and lays down his life just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. See, everything that we do as Christians is to put on display to the rest of the world who God is. And when we live the good life, it's to show that God is good. You know, Jesus was explaining to his disciples how much the Father was ready to reward those who obeyed him. When you give to the needy, give in secret, he said. When you pray, pray in secret. When you forgive men their sins, because God will reward you in due time. Don't accept the reward of humankind and the recognition they give, he said. He said that God will feed us more than the birds and clothe us with more splendor than the lilies. Ask, seek, and knock, Jesus said, and your Father in heaven knows how to give good gifts to those who ask him. Jesus told his disciples to give generously because as they give generously, a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. So God wants to display his goodness in your life and my life. Now one caution. We cannot expect for the Lord's blessings to look just like the ones he was promised, that he was promising to the Israelites. See, they were a nation receiving economical blessings that would make their nation powerful. They were a nation of people with physical and national enemies over whom God would grant them victory. It's different in the New Covenant. And too often, we also have the wrong idea of what it means to be blessed. Remember what Jesus said was blessed? He said, those who are poor are blessed because they would receive the kingdom of God. He said that the hungry are the blessed because they would be satisfied. He said that the blessed would weep now because they would receive laughter. And you and I, oftentimes, when we perceive something to be a curse, it turns out really to be a blessing in disguise. I believe firmly that God will display his goodness in those of us who are in Christ in such a way that it will demonstrate his presence in our lives and his favor. Those who obey his commands live in him, John says in 1 John chapter 3.24, and he in them. And so God is offering us a way that offers the best life possible. I appreciate what Austin mentioned in his sermon last week, that the rules of the covenant were there to give the Israelites the best version of the relationship that they could have with God. That's what the rules were there for. I have come that they, his sheep, Jesus' sheep, may have life and have it abundantly. Same thing. He wants us to experience his goodness 
Psalm 34, 8 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. And so he wants us to enjoy the pleasures of life that are found in knowing him. And unfortunately, we're just too easily pleased with the pleasures of this earthly life, the things that don't really satisfy eternally. Well, the way to enjoy the greatest pleasures and experience the best that life has to offer is that we have to choose God's way to live life. If you have chosen as your destiny the good life, then the pathway is marked out for you. Love the Lord your God and obey Him only. Cling to Him. Hold fast to Him. Walk in all of His ways. Because if you choose to disobey Him and you choose to walk in all of your own ways, then, friends, the destiny is not the good life, as you might think or hope it would be. The way to enjoy the greatest pleasures in life and experience the best that life has to offer is to choose God's way to live life. You can choose your destiny or you can choose your pathway, but you cannot choose both. See, it's interesting because some would think that for something to be pleasurable, it has to be sinful. Well, that's a lie. Maybe you've heard it before. If someone describes a chocolate cake that they've eaten, oh, this was so good it was sinful. Have you ever heard that? You know, I tried Googling sinful chocolate cake recipe. There are many sinful chocolate cake recipes. People think that everything I want to do that gives me pleasure, I'm not allowed to do. I'm forbidden from it. That God's rules take all the fun out of the life. But you know what? That's a lie that comes straight from the father of lies, the devil. He is a liar from the beginning, and he convinced Adam and Eve that God was withholding something good from them when God had said, you shall not eat from the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden. Remember, you can choose your destiny, the good life, or you can choose your pathway, obedience. Hopefully you'll choose those. You cannot choose both. And now secondly, in Christ, God also gives us that choice of destiny or the pathway. I want you to turn with me to Luke chapter 9, because just as Moses was giving the Israelites a picture of the good life, their destiny, and the pathway to that good life, I believe Jesus was doing the same with his disciples in Luke chapter 9, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there with me. In verse 10, Jesus began feeding the 5,000, and he fed them with only two loaves, excuse me, two fish and five loaves of bread. And the disciples began gathering up what was left over, and they discovered, after everyone was satisfied, that there were 12 baskets fulls of broken pieces left over. And then in verse 18, that Jesus was praying in private, and his disciples were with him, and he asked them, who do the crowd say that I am? And they replied, well, some say John the Baptist and others Elijah, and still others that one of the prophets of long ago has come back to life. Those are pretty flattering identities that Jesus could have been identified as. But he wasn't either of those. What about you, he asked, who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, the Christ of God. You are the Messiah, the Son of God. And then Jesus begins to warn them, saying that the Son of Man will suffer many things and be rejected 
by the elders, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. And then he said this. Read along with me in verse 23. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit his very self? You see what Jesus is offering of a choice? What he's presenting them, a destiny, life or death. Again, you can choose the destiny or you can choose the pathway. Those who choose the pathway of preserving their own life, Jesus said, are destined to lose their life in the end. But those who are willing to choose the pathway of losing their life to Christ, surrendering all of your life to Christ, you will ultimately find your life. So if you want your destiny to be life, then the way is through denying yourself, taking up Christ's cross, and following him. Because if you choose that way of saving your own life, then in the end you will lose your life. And Jesus asks, if you have gained the whole world, what good is it if it leads to forfeiting your very own soul? So everything that Moses was declaring to the Israelites on the shore of the Jordan, they proved true. Because as long as the Israelites lived in obedience to the covenant they, they, that they had with the Lord, they prospered. They took possession of the land. Their enemies fled. They enjoyed the goodness of God and the good things that the land produced. But then, when they wandered from God's ways, and they set before themselves idols and began depending upon the nations that were around them, instead of depending on the Lord, then he disciplined and corrected them with the curses that he had promised. All of those things came to be true. And Moses even faithfully warned them and he predicted accurately their rebellion. But praise God that he was willing still to turn and restore them to their land. And I believe that those prophecies that were being fulfilled then are still being fulfilled today. As Israel became a state, as Israelites are returning to their state, you know, a lot of attention was placed in the Middle East a lot of attention was placed, especially when Israel goes into elections, just like this last week. Why? Because prophecy is being fulfilled right before our very eyes. So live your life your own way, and your destiny is death and evil. But live your life God's way by following Christ, and your destiny is life and good. All the things that Jesus promised his disciples, we can also count on. I know that too many we want to choose our own set of values, our own morals, our own way of life. And to do that without having that nagging conscience, we have to convince ourselves that God doesn't exist or else that we are in a position to be able to tell God what his values and his morals ought to be. But Jesus offers us eternal life to those who will believe in him and in him who sent him. He died for our sins so that we would not have to pay for them, but we must be willing to surrender our lives. Forgiveness of our sins does not come at a price we have to pay for it. But to follow God means that we have to surrender all of our lives. And that may be scary for some of you. To surrender everything that I have for Jesus Christ. Well, friends, if you want the destiny of the good life, then the pathway to that good life is to surrender all of your life to Christ. It may be scary. 
It may be too high of a price, as you think, and it may be utterly radical, but it is the pathway to the greatest joy to be experienced in this life, to live it for God. Now, there isn't a clear picture that I can give you of what that good life in Christ will look like for you. Jesus didn't give that to each of his individual disciples, but here's the thing. We are given a few guarantees, guarantees like God will never leave us nor forsake us, that nothing can ever separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, that we need not be anxious for anything, and we need not worry about what to eat or wear. We are assured that, yes, God will correct our waywardness because he disciplines those whom he loves and whom he treats as a child. And God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus, we're promised. And that God will give us the strength to do all that he has called us to do. So I don't know what the good life will look like for you, but I know that this is what God has promised for you and me. I can't paint that picture for you, but if you ask the psalmists to paint a picture, because they use wonderful imagery, the psalmist would say this, that if you were a tree, you'd be a tree that's planted by streams of water, yielding its fruit in its season, and your leaves would never wither. Ask the psalmist, and he'd say that if you were a sheep, you'd be the kind of sheep that grazes by streams of water, that rests in green pastures, that is free from any fear when you walk even through the valley of the shadow of death. Ask the psalmist, and he'll say that if you were a warrior and children were your arrows, that your quiver would be full. You can choose your destiny. You can choose your pathway, but you cannot choose both. Now, a few closing words about Moses, and I know time is short, but Moses is a great example of a remarkable life well lived. You know, when you look at the description of Moses at the very end of the book, obviously after he died, it was those words were penned by someone who was inspired also by the, uh, by the, by the Lord. But when you look at the life of Moses and how he died... It says in verse 7 of chapter 34 that Moses was 120 years old when he died, yet his eyes were not weak nor his strength gone. I don't know about you, but that's how I would like to die. My strength still being with me, my eyesight still great, although it has been getting poorer. His life was not a flawless one. His disobedience meant that he forfeited going into the promised land. But it was certainly a life of fearing and loving and obeying the Lord. Moses was a man with whom the Lord spoke face to face. Imagine that privilege. Face to face, just as a man speaks to his friend. Since that time, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face, is what the penman wrote. He was a man who bore the glory of the Lord on his face, literally. And the glow would be so bright that he would have to wear a veil whenever he had been inside with the Lord. Now, if the conclusion of your life were to be penned by a divinely inspired author, what would be the description of your life? The destinies of life and good 
or death and evil are set before us today. So if you want the good life, if you want the best possible life that you can ever have and have eternal life, then that pathway is marked for you. Surrender your life, take up the cross of Christ, and follow him. So I ask today, what is hindering you? Have you looked to Jesus in faith and received him as Lord and Savior? I hope most of you will say, yes, I have. Well, then I ask you, is there still an area of your life that you still find difficult to surrender to him? Is there something you have neglected to obey? You know, that issue that keeps coming up in your mind every time someone speaks of obedience and surrender, like right now. Well, there's still time for you to repent, to change your ways, to confess to the Lord your sin and disobedience, and commit yourself anew. Because if you are still alive and if you are still breathing right now, then you are never too far gone to begin doing the right thing in this moment and thereby change your destiny. Thankfully, God was gracious with the Israelites, and he will be gracious to us too. So Jesus offers us the abundant life if we're willing to surrender all and follow him. As I close, I can't help but think of that uh, game show. Maybe some of you, especially if you're from the States, you're familiar with that game show called Let's Make a Deal. The contestants, they're called up, and then they're offered two, particular, two possible prizes. One is a check where the amount is covered, and the other prize could be a large box. You don't know what's in the box, but it could also be a very small diamond ring that's worth a lot of money. And so the contestant then is asked, what do you want, the check where you don't know the amount, or do you want what's in this big box, and you have no idea if it's worth anything at all or worth 1,600 times more than this check, the blank check? And then they choose one or the other, and they're happy that it was a $1,000 check. Yay, it was $1,000, except that what was in the box was a diamond ring worth much more. And then the next contestant then is offered, you can either have the other contestant's check or you can have what's behind the curtain. And you don't know what's behind the curtain. But if you choose not to take the check, then that contestant keeps that check. You know how that goes? Well, life isn't anything like that, just so you know, okay? Because God is presenting for us life and good or death and evil. You know what's behind the curtain and you know which path to take. You cannot choose your pathway and your destiny. Which one will you choose? Let us pray. This has been a presentation of First International Baptist Church of Copenhagen, Denmark. To listen to more sermon podcasts or to learn more about FIBC, please visit www.fibc.vk or facebook.com forward slash FIBCCPH. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening.